different Sunday at our house. I got up this morning and I got myself ready. And then I sat on the sofa with my blanket and my coffee. I was relaxing, I mean, reviewing my pages. And then when it was time, I kind of gathered all my things together and I I left the house and I went on a prayer walk the long way to church around my, by my favorite coffee shop where I got another coffee that had Christmas syrup in it and whipped cream and sprinkles. <laughs> and then I arrived here at church this morning. I was feeling focused and contemplative. I was feeling caffeinated and ready to go. And then after church, we went home and lunch was, you know, put out for me mostly. We did it a bit together, but you know. That was nice. I took a nap, and then I had some chocolate, and then I took another prayer walk and received some prayer, and now here I am. It was great. Instead of the usual Sunday, which involves getting three kids up, getting them all ready to go, making sure the beds are made, there's cereal in the cupboard, there's the right type of bread for them, for their toast, oh my goodness, that um, then frantically getting all the cookies and the croissants and the donuts and making sure I've got enough milk and that I didn't forget the gluten-free crackers. And then, the biggest challenge of all, circling the church with the car, right? Trying to find the spot that the car will fit that's not too far away. Parking, right? It's a big deal. And then this afternoon, there wasn't any dishes, there wasn't editing school essays or laundry. It was a very different day. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a humorous contrast for us. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm joking, because... <laughs> It's very stressful to prepare a sermon, and I have a huge amount of respect for my husband and the responsibility that he has week in and week out. It's a huge pressure and a huge responsibility in preaching this, and I wouldn't want to do it week in and week out, so that's just kind of funny. Um, So it's an honor to share with you, though, tonight on our second week of Advent about seeking peace. It is. It's very humbling to be up here, and when I was told that I I was going to have the peace week, I kind of had to roll my eyes a bit. And I'll tell you more about that in a moment. But let's recap what we did last week. So Brian spoke about hope and the story of Zechariah, how God stepped in after years and years of waiting, that God can step in. And that's what he does at any moment, even when there's no hope on the horizon. The promised one, the Messiah, was finally on his way. And for Zechariah and Elizabeth, their abandoned hope about having a child of their own was restored. It was, there was miracles happening. The challenge from last week was to put our hope in God. How are our hearts doing with holding on to hope? Have you been praying for an increase of hope this week? So tonight, we're talking about seeking peace, and the challenge for all of us is to find that peace in God. The Christmas story doesn't seem to begin with a lot of peace when we look at the situations of the key characters. Is this really God's plan to rescue the world? Collaborating with frail humans? Doesn't he know that we're very, very prone to fear, worrying, and anxiety? Isn't it just like so relational of God to use his people and their frailty to play such key roles in Jesus coming to dwell among us? He loves us. He made us. We're worth that risk to him. I love that the Christmas story is so divine and so human, like all at once. He partners with us in the incredible miracle of Jesus bringing his ultimate peace to the world. So let's see, in the story, picking up from last week, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to tell Zechariah good news, wonderful news, even with insight into the mission and purpose that John would fulfill in preparing the people for the Messiah. Zechariah doubts, though. He said, he's like, "How, how do I know this? 
will happen. And then he loses his ability to speak until his child is born. Uh, Mary visits Elizabeth, and John leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she blesses Mary, and she blesses Mary's belief that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Zachariah and Elizabeth have their promised baby John, and everyone rejoices that the Lord has shown mercy to them. Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue was loose, and he immediately spoke, blessing God. After nine months of silence, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies in Luke 1, 68-79. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go out before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. An important key to finding peace is to be rooted in what God has done and in what God is doing and in who God is, like his character, who he is. We want to notice and remember and recall and acknowledge these ways. So Zechariah speaks out like what God is doing now and fulfilling his promise to his people to redeem and raise up a horn of salvation, which is Jesus, their long-awaited Messiah. But he also recalls that this was spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. And the wonderful result is that we serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God's attributes of tender mercy, his desire to give light to those who sit in darkness and death, and the way he leads us as he guides our feet into the way of peace is wonderful. God, we want you to please guide our feet into the way of peace this season. So let's be aware as a people of what God has done and what God is doing, praising him for who he is and how he works. The way of peace. So we see in this in this part of the nativity story, we see Zechariah, who loved God and walked in his ways, but he was battling with doubts, like we do. It's kind of encouraging. Zechariah uses his voice when it's restored to bless God, and I think that's a really good example for us. Mary is possibly seeking peace and going hastily to her relative Elizabeth for support and encouragement. She believed what the angel said, even though she didn't know exactly how her sudden change in circumstance would really play out. That's a good example for us. I'm sure as you know, health, finances, children, grief, success, loss, control is an illusion. And when there's a sudden change in circumstances, when suffering surprises us or relationships don't go the way we want, we quickly realize there is so much that's out of our control. Our hearts and our minds, they just run away to places of anxiety and fear and doubt, and we definitely aren't at peace. The challenge this Christmas time is to stop the runaway thoughts and to put our trust in God, trusting in the Lord with all our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding, in all our ways, acknowledging him because he will make our path straight. Remember, the walking in the way of peace. Peace 
and trust go together really well. They really hold hands. Peace and trust hold hands. The key to finding true peace is trusting, putting our trust in God in the right place, trusting God. He's the one who's ultimately in control of all things. We want to turn our thoughts to God, letting our actions speak of trust, not of fear, even in hard times, even though we live in a fallen and sinful world. We want to take one trusting step at a time. And it's never too late to stop walking down the path of fear and to turn and to start walking, taking steps in the path of peace. It's very active. <laughs> like Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth, we don't know how our stories are going to play out, but God does. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus, walking in the way of peace, taking that one trusting step at a time. So while we do that in our day-to-day -day lives, we need to remember that our ultimate peace is anchored in Jesus, as we heard um, from our Advent reading in Micah 5. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great in the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. Isn't that so cool? That we're seeking peace in this time of Advent and expectant waiting, but we're actually seeking Jesus because he is the true peace. It's just, it's what it says. So whatever's going on in the world, in our lives, we can have peace, ultimate peace, because of Jesus. Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace of salvation that God gives through his son. This is the ultimate peace achieved by Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, the Prince of Peace. So, as I mentioned earlier, of course, I would get the peace week. As a late teen and into my, well into my 20s, I battled for peace through panic attacks and irrational fears. When I was 18, I was on a five-lane motorway through downtown Seattle on a summer break from university in traffic, and I had to suddenly brake hard to avoid a collision I had this flood of adrenaline and dizziness and panic, and it set off a long season in my life of fears going way up and peace and confidence going down. It was something really simple. I mean, I braked and there wasn't a collision. It was stressful for a moment, but there weren't really any consequences. But I felt out of control, and like all of a sudden, all sorts of bad things could happen at any moment. And it, it sounds silly now that something so simple would trigger such a huge battle in me, but the fears spiraled and the adrenaline would come back in everyday moments like waiting in a queue in the cafeteria or sitting, sitting through my Bible school lectures when I was back at the university in Portland or when I was driving. I developed an irrational fear of fainting. The fears just kind of start multiplying going down that road. So I developed this irrational fear of fainting that caused me not to want to be in public, not to want to be in my lectures, not to want to be at church, not to be growing in independence and confidence as I hoped to be at that time in my life, I began to limit my world, and it was getting smaller. My life, you know, where I thought it was going, the trajectory changed. And as a young person, I thought, my life is over. I just felt paralyzed by anxiety. You know, was I going crazy? What do I do? What was best? Uh, do I stay at uni or, or do I go home? Um, I chose to stay at university, but I had to cut back my classes, and that was really humbling and really discouraging. Um, 
And, but the battle for trust and peace really began. So there was a few things that happened during that time initially. I, the elders at my home church prayed over me. I had some key verses that maybe people would give me who knew my struggle. And I would write in a prayer journal. I met with our women's dean and a counselor for a bit and a, a wonderful older missionary uh, woman professor for a while. And it wasn't, it was really hard for me to seek help because I am naturally more shy and more reserved. And I, I felt anxious about talking to people, about being anxious. It's just this vicious cycle. And I felt like I could be so timid. It was so hard to, to try to seek this help. Because, and also I think it's because I felt it was admitting that I might not be okay, and I wasn't sure what that would mean, you know, for my future. Even though I knew that I really needed advice, and I really needed support. Our hearts are always in a battle to trust God. My battle to find peace at that time of my life was long, and there were some ups and downs, and some places where I stagnated for a while, and I didn't push forward. But eventually, I did find peace in driving, peace in being out in the public on my own. I found myself in a place in my heart and in my mind where I could more easily stop the anxious thoughts that would spiral out of control and anchor myself on God's faithfulness. Like he was so patient with me. Through a series of small victories, the Lord taught me a lot about finding peace in him. I had to draw, I had to draw near to him. And I can give him the glory and the praise that he led me to live and serve in a country that's not my birth country, to be out in a city on my own, like, I'm sure you guys all know, like a crowded Buchanan Street on a Saturday in December, <laughs> waiting in a long queue to pay for some gift for someone, and, and not to have that fear of impending doom. You guys know what that's like, right? It's crazy. So to drive, even to drive a manual car on the other side of the road, you know, around here where the roads are so narrow, even 18-year-old Kelly would have never have thought how the Lord would work. So fear and anxiety definitely can creep back into my life quite easily. And there's always new circumstances that challenge the heart and the mind not to be at peace in Jesus. And I think that's why the Bible has so much to say about peace. God knows who we are. He knows how, how we're made. Um, so I thought I would just give you some of my practical tips for how I've battled through some of this peace and drawn near to God. Practical tips, all right? So here we go. Number one, write down a couple things you're grateful for or ways you've seen God's faithfulness in your life today. Like in Zechariah's prayer, he acknowledged how God is at work and how God was at work. It can be big or small ways. It trains the mind to end the day in gratitude and peace instead of fear and anxiety. Maybe even like use an app on your phone or something if you're not a pen and paper type person. So a little story kind of about this. So last week in the run-up to Reap and Sow, my family calls it Weep and Sow Week, as there may be some stressful moments at home as the pressure builds, and sometimes that might come out toward them. Uh, it's been a learning curve for us, for me, and what I'd like to think I'm getting better at as we've been through 10 markets now, capturing that learning. But here's a little story of God's care just last week during a time when there's a lot of opportunities to choose anxiety instead of peace. So on the first day of setup on Monday, Katrina and I were opening up the five big white stars for the windows, and two of them had been ripped really badly in the storage. Bummer. What are we going to do? <laughs> big problem. So back in February, I just so happened 
to see a brand new in the wrapping Ikea star, our same vintage, at, at, at the Salvation Army down the road, the same style. What were the chances? So last, or two weeks ago, I guess, when I was kind of taking stock of what we had and what we would need to get for the setup week, I saw the star in the cupboard. I was like, oh, right, oh, right, okay, that's right. I forgot that was there. So on Monday, after we discovered the ripped stars, I ran to the cupboard to get the still-wrapped star for the window, and there were actually two in the cupboard, just what we needed, because two of them were ripped. Now, I don't remember if I bought, had bought one or two at Salvation Army in February. I don't know, but that's pretty cool. The point is that even in small ways, God was showing his care. Like, he provided and knew that Katrina and I would need them, you know, for the windows. But it was important to us at that moment. And I can give him thanks and rest in that care. The stars from Monday, the star story, remembering that, came to mind a few times during setup week when the pressure was growing and remembering his care even over little things like paper stars did help my heart find some peace. So even if everything in my life, you know, even if there's big stuff that isn't going exactly the way I want it to go like all of the time, whoever gets that, right? There's always something to write down. It helps to put things in perspective that he is God and he is good. He has a plan. We need to find ways that we see him at work, just like Zechariah did. It's very biblical to remember and recall the ways God is working and praise him for it. So I have another story, and my notes say, optional story about almost burning down the church, lol. (laughs) So (laughs) I can praise God for his protection on the Friday night of Reap and Sow as I almost set fire to the whole church. Seriously. I thought it would be nice, kind of fancy, you know, an upgrade to put like a jarred candle, two of them, in the bathrooms for the people coming on Friday night, you know, kind of special. So I did, and then, you know, the doors closed, and I go about my setup. So thanking the Lord for Laura Fang, who just so happened, just so happened to open the door to one of the bathrooms just as a paper towel had fallen onto the candle and was catching fire. Oh, dear. And actually, after the morning service, Alistair Bennett said he was one of the first on the scene as well, and that he had never seen a paper thing go so brown from fire without actually lighting. So that was probably not one of my better ideas. That could have gone really, really south really fast. But I'm really thankful that God rescued. Like, that is definitely one to write down. God, thank you for rescuing So that's number one. Write down what you're grateful for, how God shows his care, even in very small ways. Give him the credit. Okay, number two, take a deep breath and pray, like really. Like, do you ever, like when, especially in frantic times, do you ever realize how shallow your breathing is? Such quick, short breaths. Really breathe, breathing in. Remembering a favorite verse or a moment when you've experienced God's presence, and then breathe out thankfulness and gratitude to God. Do it a few times. You'll, you'll feel more relaxed. <laughs> simply, it, 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 it's simply to realign our heart and our mind toward God. It's a lot about that recalling and remembering. That's number two. Take a deep breath and pray. Get outside is number three. This might be a little bit of a stretch, but there's a lot of outside in the Christmas story. Mary takes a really long trip to see Elizabeth, The shepherds are in the field at night. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. The wise men are following the star. 
Nature, fresh air, this is something that helps me find peace, and I know it helps a lot of you find peace as well. The heavens declare the glory of God. Running, walking, prayer walking, prayer walking with a friend, even over the phone. I've just started doing this in the last few weeks. Hey, Shauna, can you pray for me? Maybe get a person like that who doesn't need to be complicated, but who can just hear a bit of what's going on and then pray. It's wonderful. And that's something that's kind of new for me because, I don't know, in my nature or whatever, I don't want to bother anyone with my prayer requests, which sounds really silly saying it out loud because it is a joy to pray for one another, and it's something that we're supposed to be doing. So I'm trying to be more proactive about cultivating peace in my heart. So Glasgow is great, and it has some amazing city parks and some amazing country parks that aren't that far off. I know we talk a lot about the botanics and what a special place that is for, for a lot of us, and, and especially, especially a, a, a neat place of prayer. So thank you, Lord, for all of our green spaces. Get outside. Number three was get outside. Number four, rest. Okay, if you've been around here long, you know that there's this very biblical idea of Sabbath, and it's come up a lot. Take a nap. Reset your mind and body. Spend some time with God in his word and in prayer. If you're a go-go-goer, and you know if you are, and you are losing the plot, and there's no peace, and everything's falling apart, like suddenly the freezer needs to be de-iced right now, and you think, if only I do this one more thing off my list, I'll feel better. Maybe not. (laughs) We do need rest. It's how God made us. And how, I don't know if this has happened to you before, but how annoying is it when a loved one says to you, maybe you should take a nap. Oh, it's so annoying. (laughs) So learn to know when you're letting anxiety be out peace and make some new patterns. Take that nap. Spend some time in God's word and in prayer. Get enough sleep at night before someone has to suggest it to you because you're falling apart at them. So number four is rest. Number five is post some favorite verses in a place where you'll actually see them. So let's see, here's my bathroom wall, I think. Yep, there it is. So these are just verses that I've taped up over a few years here. Here's two of my favorites that are on the wall. And I put them there because I do see them, you know, throughout the day, morning and night, right? You're standing there looking at it. First Peter 5. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's number five. Post up some verses at home that someone's given you or that you've picked out of your reading for read-through or verses you've heard here at church, ones that have, have really spoken to your heart and your mind, post them up. Number six is leave your Bible open. Maybe to the spot you need to read that week for your read-through group. This is something that, that is a little bit more obscure, but it's just something that has been helping me in, this, in the last year. Specifically, I've heard it from back when I was at university. One of the professors had shared this story about... Um, so Billy Graham, the evangelist, his wife, Ruth Graham, a godly woman, she, when her kids were small and he was often traveling, what she would do to try to just find some peace um, in her heart and to cultivate her time with the Lord is that she would just leave her Bibles open around the house. I know nowadays we have phones, but still there's something special about that idea of it being scattered around, and she would just leave it open so that whenever she had a moment to sit down, whenever she was holding a sleeping child or something, there, was, there it was, the Word of God. It just makes it easier to jump into it and to get that peace, making it easier for you to access 
the peace in God through his word. So number six is leave your Bible open. And lastly, number seven is do something for someone else. Helping others in practical ways or by praying for them is a direct command in the Bible to love your neighbor as yourself, to bear one another's burdens. It benefits them, and it also benefits our hearts too. Like, it's kind of just how God made us. Like, we know that, like, when we give um, something to someone else, when we help them, we know that there's a satisfaction. There's an inner, an inner joy. It's, it's kind of how God made us. Um, so number seven is doing something for someone else. So those are my tips. Now, it's not, you know, a complete list, but those are seven things that really do help me a lot and has, have helped me to draw near to God um, and find that peace. So, look, I know that peace is elusive, and I bet a lot of you are facing some pretty challenging circumstances, and, and maybe you're not sure that you can find peace this season. But the challenge is that you can, that Jesus is not far from us, that we need to keep seeking peace, keep battling on, keep battling on. We might not hit it every time, but we need to keep battling on for that peace. I believe you can find it no matter how difficult your season is these days. So I've, I've been inspired by this story behind the old Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. So here's a wee backstory to that song. Never a poet put pen to paper with more skill than Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He was a legend in his own lifetime. Tragedy struck his home in 1861. His wife was near an open window placing locks of hair and her of her daughter's hair in a packet using sealing wax to secure it. It was never known whether a spark from the match or from the sealing wax was the cause, but suddenly her, her dress just caught on fire and she was engulfed in flames. Longfellow was sleeping in the next room. He was awakened by her screams and dashed to rescue her. He was severely burned on his face and his hands as he tried to extinguish all the flames and save her. Tragically, she died in the fire and his burns were so bad that he couldn't even attend her funeral. Kind of sudden and, re and really tragic. He seemed to lock the anguish within his soul. His family could see that he was suffering, um, and they observed his really long periods of silence. So although he was a famous and successful man, Longfellow still needed the peace that only God can give his children. On Christmas Day, two years later, this would be like 1863, he sat down and desperately tried to reflect on the joys of the season. The poem he wrote on that day was later set to music. The result is one of our most popular Christmas carols. He writes, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar, familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. As he came to the third stanza, he was stopped by the thought of the condition of his beloved country. This was Civil War time, the days looked dark. He must have asked himself, how can the last phrase of those stanzas be true in this war-torn country where brother fights against brother and father against son? However, he continued, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, as each of us should do, he turned his thoughts to the one who solves all problems. From his pen flowed, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
peace and goodwill will one day come to earth when the Prince of Peace will return, take his great power, and begin to reign. Guys, I know that we live in the imperfect, but as we keep seeking peace, keep seeking the way of peace, keep walking in the way of peace, let's keep encouraging one another to fix our eyes on Jesus. Here's a gem. I've got one last scripture here for you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Two simple challenges for you this week. Number one, one to ten. Assess, how are you doing in the area of peace? It's not really about like how busy you are, how much stress you have, on, have going on, or, or how kind of in control you feel at the moment of your circumstances. It's about trust. Remember, trust and peace, holding hands, trusting God, and then receiving his peace. It's about trust and keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. That's number one. How are you doing in the area of peace? Number two, tape up a verse. <laughs> like my bathroom wall. Tape up a verse that speaks to your heart and trains your mind. Put it on your desk or on your fridge or on your home screen on your phone or on your dashboard on your